In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today, October 6th, is the 19th anniversary of the canonization of uh, our beloved founder, St. Josemaria. We can all picture now Pope John Paul II in front of that massive crowd of an estimated 300,000 faithful. And if you looked carefully, you would have seen 500 from Canada. Well, you would not have seen me in that crowd, unfortunately. But I did assist at the beatification. So that was the reason they kind of said, well, look, you've been to the beatification, so, you know, you've had your... You've had your bid. So I had to stay back and hold the fort. But if we go back even further beyond the beatification, the canonization, or beyond the beatification in 92, let's go back even further to June 23rd, 1946, over 70 years ago, when young Jose Maria just arrived from Spain to Rome. We know the story about how he had traveled on this boat, the JJ Sister, across turbulent waters. And he arrives in post-war Italy with a completely broken down infrastructure. And everywhere that one went, one needed armed guards along the roads. There were gangs, there were thieves. It was terribly dangerous just to go along the road. Yet when he arrived in Genova, he was, he was just eager to get going, to go to Rome. All of Europe was still quite demoralized, <coughs> destroyed, and was only just beginning to see the extent of its devastation. But he came very excited to Rome and luminous with a dream that had already been lit in his heart. It was a beautiful dream that he had that despite all this devastation, you could see seeing all the evil that man was capable of after World War II, something had lit itself up in his soul, in his heart, that sanctity was nevertheless possible, that God could give us us the grace to be saints. And he had this enthusiasm, something was deeply alive in him, a grace really given to him by God, which he ignited to others. He, He spread this fire to others. And so when he arrived in Rome that night, June 23rd, 1946, or maybe it was the next day, I'm not sure, but he, he went into the Citta Leonina, 
he stayed there and he was given a room where there was a covered balcony overseeing the apostolic palace where Pope Pius XII lived precisely where we today see Pope Francis giving the Angelus address he could see that building he could probably not see that window itself but he could certainly see the building and then he could see at least one window open and that was probably the Pope's apartment and he was deeply moved at thinking that he could now see the Pope's apartment and he began praying for the Holy Father he was Peter he was the Pope he was the head of the church and he would be the one to approve the new pathway that he had seen the pathway of sanctity of the possibility of sanctity and there he prayed and prayed I mean into the wee hours of the night he prayed for Pope Pius XII because he had this deepest conviction that that as soon as the Pope heard about his own dream his own ideal that he would approve it he was just, the Pope would say oh this is amazing sanctity for the ordinary person <laughs> he's the Pope he's going to approve this and it's going to take off just like in the 13th century in, in 1209 when St. Francis of Assisi came to Rome for, to seek approval from Innocent III for his friars and uh, for the mo new movement I don't think they were called the Franciscans at the time but, uh, but he tried to get an audience with Pope Innocent and while his, he and his friars waited they prayed and then uh, very soon after Pope Innocent uh, received them and Thomas Celano who is one of the first uh, biographies takes note of what Pope Innocent III said he said to Francis go with the Lord brothers and as the Lord will see fit to inspire you preach and preach penance to all when the almighty Lord increases you in numbers and grace come back to me with joy and I will grant you more things than these with greater confidence I entrust you with greater things that was that was the 13th century but but something of that tenor was in the heart of Santos Maria that he had he had been inspired to undertake a dream of greater things and now it was the Pope who was going to approve it. At least, maybe that's the kind of thing that he was dreaming of on that balcony. Of course, we know Pope, <coughs> rather, Opus Dei had been already approved locally, but that was all. It was not just a local phenomena. It started locally, but it needed to grow. He saw that it had to be universal. It was the universal call to sanctity. And it couldn't be restricted to a few students in Madrid. He dreamed of much further. And uh, ultimately we could say, though it was approved, it was approved by the Pope, and then later on, more officially with the Prelature, 1982, you could say, to a certain degree, the definitive approval or the fullest approval was the canonization. When St. Maria is canonized, it's what what does this approval really mean or this canonization really mean as we as we celebrate it today it's for us in the work it's a solemnity 
It's a solemnity. It's, it's not. It's not a feast in the sense that it's not. A, it's not in the liturgical calendar. It's just an anniversary of that day of that of that canonization of what is really an approval of the life of Saint Josephine and of his sanctity. He who lived out this ideal that in turn had been approved. What does it really mean for us today as we celebrate this anniversary? Well, we can go back to the very words of. Don Javier, who was the prelate at the time, who said that canonization means conversion. Canonization means conversion. And our Father indeed dedicated his whole life to the possibility of sanctity for souls, for himself and for others. We just picture well before 5 a.m., Crowds were were streaming in to St. Peter's Square, filling every possible space in that square. And then the square was not big enough. It had been it had all been perfectly organized. Uh, the organizers did a great job putting all those plastic seats there. It was all very good, but but then they flooded into the Via della Conciliazione, and. That via, which looks also onto the piazza, started to fill up more and more and more. And it said it went all the way to the Tiber. But aerial shots show the thickness of the crowd. The ground shots show the joy of the people, the variety, the piety, the emotion, the diversity of the pilgrims that came from all over the globe and made it to Rome at great expense. It was what Vittorio Missori, a famous journalist at the time, called a sea of humanity there divided into orderly sectors. Of course, things needed to be orderly because everybody was waiting for 10 a.m. for when the Pope would arrive. And sitting orderly in the front rows was Dr. Manuel Nevado Rey, who was miraculously healed through the intercession of St. Josemaria. And that's, in some way, that was the final proof, the miracle that was required for the canonization to take place. And that's a beautiful image. When we think about it, we often see, we have seen photos of the, of the crowd and then underneath a text from uh, Don Javier giving thanks to God because it was the definitive approval of that, of that divine grace that St. Josemir received back in 1928. And ultimately, with his life in 1902, when he was born. But if you look at the text of the actual canonization decree, so which is what the Pope read out, I think this would have been just after the the... I suppose it would have been quite early in the Mass, but there's a decree that is said in honor of the blessed, uh, or in honor of, of, the, of, the, of the person being canonized. So uh, the Pope said, in honor of the blessed and undivided Trinity, so this is like the purpose of any canonization, it's the same text for any, in honor of the blessed, undivided Trinity, for the uplifting 
of the Catholic faith and the increase of Christian life by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ and that of the apostles Peter and Paul and our own after careful deliberation having called frequently upon God's help and with the advice of many of our brother bishops we declare and define Blessed Jose Maria Escriva de Belaguer to be a saint and we inscribe his name in the catalog of the saints ordaining that throughout the universal church he be devoutly honored among the saints in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen Isn't that great? It's a, it's a beautiful text and, and ultimately it gives three reasons why the church canonizes in honor of the blessed and undivided trinity that is for the glory of God this is for the glory of God. It's not for the glory of Opus Dei or the glory of, uh, of St. Josemaria as such. And it, 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 I suppose glory of God is given or glory to God is given just by the very fact that St. Josemaria is recognized. But we don't, want, we don't want him to become a plaster saint that is somebody who's on the books and he's you can search him and he's on the books. He is a saint. You can put the saint name there. But that is really, the, you know, we don't just want him to be on the books or a plaster saint, but not really contributing to the sanctity of the faithful. Because after all, he already interceded after his death, after his death, right after his death, when he, before he was even recognized as being a saint. As many people are, grandmothers and grandfathers, uncles and aunts who pass away, they can intercede for us if they're in heaven, of course, but they're not necessarily officially recognized by the church. That takes time. That takes well, it takes time. It takes investigation. And but now we know for sure that he is in heaven, and so this increases our confidence in God's goodness. We know that there's a difference between the beatification and the canonization. Canonization is also, it is said, an act of the magisterium. It teaches a truth of Catholic doctrine. It requires the assent of the faithful. It's not part of revelation, revelation as such. It doesn't add, of course, anything to revelation. But it expounds an essential part of the faith, which was already in some ways known. The universal call to sanctity, or, or the sanctifying value of ordinary work, or the value of secular realities, that was already known. It's just, St. Josemaria just expounded it in a, in a beautiful way. And so, for the uplifting of the Catholic faith and the increase of Christian life, well, the second point, uh, it means that this is a big responsibility on, on us. First, do I really live for the glory of God? This is, I mean, if, if the decree was in honor of the blessed and undivided Trinity, do I live for the glory of God? Or am I somehow more worried about what others think, what, what the impression I make, if I'm liked? Uh, it's a, 
we wouldn't say I live for my glory, but in some way I might think like that, I might act like that in some way. The preface to the saints says that their holiness is the crowning of your glory, of God's glory. Do I really want God's glory, Deo Omnis Gloria? It says that it is also for the exaltation or the uplifting of the Catholic faith. God does not need human opinion. And, but, but from our example, a lot depends. That's why, really, Don Javier would say that this is truly a call to conversion. Even today, he said, back then, in 2002, he said, today, after so many years, each one of us can hear again anew that call to sanctity. We might think, he said, I've... I've been spending so many years struggling to be a saint, and you can see, my Lord, what I'm like. But of course, now, confiding in your word, I'm going to, I'm going to throw myself into the sea. Mar adentro. Me voy a lanzar mar adentro, he said. I'm going to throw myself ahead. Duque altum towards sanctity which is not he said the absence of defects but rather perfection in love identification with you Jesus in a word we say with Peter I will throw down the nets I will throw down the nets when you think we think of him throwing down the nets we think about it in apostolic terms of course which it is but it's also throwing down the nets and embracing all the grace that the Lord wants us to embrace. We may not have received healing of cancer from our father as Dr. Manolo Nevado Rey did, but he has healed us in other ways. Our founder received a call and through his fidelity to his call, to be the founder, we received our call. And through our fidelity, we really ultimately come in contact with the truth about ourselves. There's no great greater truth than our vocation, than our call, what God wants from us. And that's, you could say, that's how we give glory to God. So we can say to our Lord, now, okay, Lord, I don't want to put this truth about myself on the back burner and just get overly overly taken up by things that I have to do when when the spoke when the pope spoke on that homily he spoke slowly he spoke with pause he was already quite ill with parkinsons but he spoke very encouraging words <coughs> Because he said that our Father continues to act now, that he is a saint, and that he still pushes us to fidelity from heaven. He said, this is what he said, 
He continues to remind you of the need not to let yourselves be frightened by a materialist culture that threatens to dissolve the genuine identity of Christ's disciples. He liked to repeat forcefully that the Christian faith is opposed to conformism and interior inertia. He's quoting there from our father that we shouldn't be conformist or accept interior inertia. And of course, our father certainly did not accept inertia in his life. He was prompt, even if he was tired, even if he was exhausted, just as, you know, even if he was in pain, persecuted, derided for what he taught. He didn't accept inertia. What is inertia? Inertia, well, inertia is kind of like the tendency to just go with the already pre-established movement that you've already started and you're kind of going on a roll. You're sort of advancing, but you're probably not going to advance very long. It's the tendency to do nothing, to remain unchanged. And it causes us, when we have inertia, to resist change, to be somewhat sluggish, in fact, physics tells us that an object will stay the same. It just stays the same. Unless it is acted upon by an outside agent or object of some kind. It's like otherwise, uh, you know, it's the, things just stay the same. If you just have a ball there lying on the, on the basketball court, it's not going to move. Unless you kick it or throw it or there's an earthquake or something. And, of course, we have the grace of God in baptism, which comes from outside. We have our will. We have our freedom. And uh, St. Rosemary had a deep desire to be a saint, a deep yearning. And this happens to all the saints. They, they have this, this desire is their motor. It's not simply inertia. It's not simply the result of being in a family or, I don't know, being in a certain culture or circumstance. You take somebody like St. Faustina, who was, we actually celebrated yesterday, St. Faustina Kowalska, Polish nun who received revelations on the Divine Mercy in the early 1900s. She also described her experience quite beautifully. She said that one day she went to pray before the Blessed Sacrament in the chapel in the hospital where she was staying. And our Lord allowed her to feel His love for her in a very special way. And she describes it in her diary. She says, Remember, Christ's heart symbolizes his love. And all of a sudden, my soul was flooded with the light of the knowledge of God. Oh, would that I could express even a little of what my soul experiences when resting near the heart of the incomprehensible majesty. I cannot put it into words. I cannot put it into words. Only a soul who has experienced such a grace at least once in his life, will recognize it. When I returned to my room, it seemed to me that I was coming from real life into death. And when the doctor came to take my pulse, he was surprised. Sister, what happened? 
You have never had a pulse like this. I would like to know what has speeded it up so much. What could I tell him when I myself did not know that my pulse was so rapid? I only know that I am dying of yearning for God. But this I did not tell him. How can medicine help in such an instance? She had this desire. That was a desire that was the grace of God. And that made her heart beat keep moving. This yearning, this transformation she, she had. We must look at our desires and ask the Lord, you know, how really are my desires? You know, the, the, the first residence, the DYA, which was, you know, meant to be law and architecture, derecho y arquitectura, but, but really, that was the first residence he had in Madrid, which was bombed, but, but it also referred to this motto, Dios y audacia, God and daring. So the impulse for sanctity comes from God. And he saw a clear connection between belonging to God and, and the daring in our spiritual lives, the daring to do apostolate, the daring to really undertake a life of sanctity. That's why for us, that's why today's anniversary is really an occasion to exercise our responsibility, right, and ask the Lord that uh, he grant us this grace of responding positively and uh, maybe maybe it just means also just getting to know a little bit better the life of of saint Jose maria of somebody who did respond positively and uh, and uh, actively because this too is what we're called to we ask our blessed mother to help us and and that she make our pulse start beating faster and that she take away any inertia from this great ideal. This is why we're here. This is why we have this residence. This is why we're doing anything, ultimately, so that it's not only for us, but also for those around us. Our Blessed Mother will intercede for us and make this into a reality. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, and my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.